listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Right, welcome to episode number 64 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Francois Rattier. Francois is the Technical Director for Rugby Quebec here in Canada. Born and raised in France, he played in the French Championship for SC Angoulême, where he will also coach their under-20s team. Shortly after, he relocated to Canada and has had various coaching roles in club, university, provincial elite, regional elite, and age-grade national. His most recent roles have been with the Canadian National Women's Team as head coach for two World Cups and the Canadian National Men's Team as interim head coach. I've been coached by him, have coached with him, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So welcome, Francois. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Yeah, no worries. Good to, good to finally uh, connect. Yes, it's good. Yeah, cool. So um, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your playing career back in France. Um, when did you start? Kind of. You know, when when did you finish, and uh, what, yeah. what was the experience like? Oh, uh, you know, I was I was lucky enough to to grow up in a little place where we were doing multi sport. You know, I was mm-hmm. playing football, handball, rugby at school, mm-hmm. and uh, when I turned fifteen, uh, they they picked me in the rugby team at the the local club, mm-hmm. and uh, after two, I would say, quite successful. Junior seasons, I've been moved to the the big city, what mm-hmm. was Angoulême. Mm-hmm. They were playing in first division at this time. Now they are in Pro D two, which is great too. Okay. And uh, I, I I spent ten years on the wing <laughs> in no. the same club. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I know the field pretty well. Sweet. And what was um you know those those early coaching experiences? What what were they what were they like as a player in, in France? What were some of your early experiences like with, with some, some of your coaches uh, and which ones do you remember fondly yeah. and why? Uh, it was, it was a different, a different, uh, century, you know, mm. <laughs> uh, coaching <laughs> was really, <laughs> coaching was, uh, very directive, uh, mm. not very on players development. It mm-hmm. was more about you do what I tell you to do. Yeah. Uh, so what I've learned from that is what I didn't want to do as a coach <laughs> more yeah. than what I want to do. Uh, obviously, I had some some very very good uh, very good coaches uh, ar- around around the team, but the environment was completely different than what it is now wow. in, uh, in the in the high level. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good to know because I think that's uh, across acro- that's an international thing. In the, those who came through in the the eighties and nineties uh, might have experienced yes. similar coaching to that, no matter where they were from. Yeah, if if you were lucky enough to be in a club where you got some thinkers, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, most of the clubs were about you know we need to win on Saturday mm. or Sunday, and that's how we're going to do it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, play right. tough and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. All right, cool. And what about what about your first? You I mentioned in the intro there, you uh, the Angoulême uh, under twenties. You also coached that team for a little while. What what were those first experiences yeah. like? Was great. I've coached them for two years before I moved to Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, it was my first uh, coaching experience. So I was doing my 
coaching diplomas in the same time okay. I was coaching that team. Uh, I was not the head coach, so I was surrounded by all the coaches. Who it was very very good first experience because you you want to do everything and you realize that at the end you do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, as all the young coaches, you know, we we want to fix everything and we think that we know, and at the end we we don't know. We yeah. just we just try to 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 grow up and and be a better coach but at this time you you don't realize it i was uh 29 i was uh i was at the end of my playing career with multiple injuries and uh, mm -hmm. i i thought that it was easy to to go from player to coach but uh now it is almost 20 20 years that i'm coaching and uh, i just try to start to understand what i'm doing <laughs> mm, yeah it's, it's 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 amazing that that transformation and it sounds exactly like me yeah. as a, my first coaching experiences was yes I, I i played and now i can just transfer that straight to coaching but uh it takes you a couple of years to realize hey hang on <laughs> i don't actually yes. know a lot <laughs> years and uh failures <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah cool all right well in in your time over in France, you, you were extremely fortunate to spend a lot of time with, uh, around uh, legendary French coach Pierre Villeperot. Um yeah. He was recently inducted into the Rugby World Cup, uh, World Rugby Hall of Fame. Um, mm -hmm. How did that develop? How did that relationship develop with Villeperot? And uh, you know, uh, that that must have been an incredible experience. Yeah, it was. It was a. Uh, I didn't realize it when. At the first time, obviously, but now with more time, I realized I was lucky. Mm. Uh, he was he was coaching uh, Limoges, what was a, a club we were playing against with Angoulême, and uh, obviously we knew he was the former coach of Toulouse, and uh, mm. he was uh, close to be the the next coach for the French team, and all his method where, you know, as a young player, we say, oh, what he's doing is great. You know, we would like to play for him, but we, we play against him, in fact, against <laughs> his team. And uh, so, uh, and then when I stopped playing, when I st stopped playing, yes, I started my uh, my coaching courses and he, he was one of the teachers. Uh, so, oh, cool. I, I, yeah, very cool because I, I had the time to, to try to understand what he was, uh, what he wanted to teach because, at the first approach with Pierre Villepreux, sometimes it's a bit hard because he knows what he's talking about. But mm -hmm. when you're a young coach, you just don't get it. You know, say, so mm -hmm. what is he talking about? You know, it's not always black or white. It's it's, it's made of a lot of questions and a lot of a progression. So, uh, yeah, I, I was I was lucky to have him as a as a the teacher, I would say, and uh, and also. Uh, then when I decided to move to Canada, uh, he has always been supported, supportive and uh, he was always ready to answer my questions because uh, in the first years, first years I've been here in uh, 2003, 4, 5, mm. uh, I, was, I was trying to transfer some of his ideas to the Canadian system. Mm. Obviously, it's, it was in French, uh, not necessarily translated and not necessarily translated table or whatever mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah uh, so uh because it's an it's a concept not necessarily just words so he was always always kind to to work with me sometimes when i was sending him some uh email and say okay do you think it's right do you think it's transable do you think you know and, and it was it was there so oh, you know I, 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 yeah i've been lucky i've been lucky to to have him around for a couple of a uh, couple of years yes no oh, that's fantastic and it's a 
great great person to be to have a, a mentorship uh, relationship with yeah you. that's fantastic yeah pretty pretty much and it was not formal but mm. uh, he was always uh, always answering so yeah that's great yeah well, one like one of his key concepts is um in, in english it's called the pleasure of movement yeah. um can you can you talk a little bit about that what what what's that kind of look like on on the field and and who are who are some of the teams in world rugby who are maybe uh demonstrating aspects of that that concept so there's there's one team right now and it's not new it's mm. it's from a long long time it's the all blacks yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah i know but it and there's no real uh, enigma behind it because uh when smith who, mm-hmm. who who i would say uh transferred that concept to the all blacks uh, a few years ago was spent a lot of time with Pierre Villepreux when Pierre Villepreux was coaching to lose mm-hmm. when Smith when Smith was going was spending time with him uh, did that translation did that you know philosophy mm. uh, and adapted it to uh, to New Zealand and uh, the thing that the French couldn't do uh, didn't realize they had a treasure in mm. their hands mm. uh, the old black the old blacks <laughs> realized it pretty quickly and uh, and it doesn't mean that uh, Villepreux is is at the base of the All Blacks uh, development because it's not the case, but his ideas really well translated and transferred by Wayne Smith to the mm. All Blacks team. Yeah. And, so um, the, this, this, this movement philosophy is based on uh, there's no positions, there's just roles. Okay. And, uh, and any players could should be able to make a decision de- doesn't matter his uh, position on the field and his number is in, in, in the back. What uh, in the past, if you were a prop, you could you could never touch the ball during the game and it was mm. fine. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, or if you were a 10, you were the only one who was able to kick. Mm. Uh, we know you and I and all our, the community that the game is at another stage now, uh, uh, fortunately. But mm. uh, Pierre Villepreux was one of the guys who were was able to to make people realize it. So uh, he spent time in England to try to transform the the English approach to a more moving game. He mm. did that with New Zealand, South Africa, obviously with France. So yeah, he, he's is one is one of the, the person at the base of that moving game concept. Mm. And um, well, firstly, it's it's quite ironic uh, considering what happened in the two thousand and seven World Cup quarterfinals with France, New Zealand. That uh, yes. that New Zealand have now <laughs> taken on uh, this movement principle <laughs> yeah. and have had so much success with it. Um, yeah. Secondly, I, the 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 concept of of offloading uh, is very prominent. Yes. For 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 for, for coaches looking to explore. Like this movement concept, and you know how to bring it into practice, and how how to approach it. How, what would be some suggestions you you'd give them? Yeah, so the, the it's, so there's some really simple things to do. First is always work with an opposition. Mm-hmm. Always work with someone in front of you. Mm-hmm. You can uh, you can make it uh, as really with a soft defense or hard defense, but you need to work in front of some. Um, uh, uh, some opponent mm-hmm. because the situation will be never the same mm-hmm. and uh, so the concept behind this is it's about supporting it's about reading and it's about anticipating and it's also about applying 
the principle of play on attack. You know, when we mm-hmm. talk about go forward, maintain continuity, apply pressure, support, mm-hmm. score tries. Mm-hmm. So all, all this approach is directly linked to these simple principles. So we'll be just organizing a, let's say, 8b8 or 7b7, mm-hmm. mixed backs and forward, going just on no breakdown, try to avoid the breakdown, try to keep the ball alive, pass and support the inside shoulder of your teammate. If you're outside the ball, stretch and open gaps. If you're inside the ball, support the ball carrier. You know, it's all about this relationship between inside ball players or outside ball players and the role of the ball carrier. Mm. So um, really the, the, the concept is less about building phases, but more about staying on your feet for as long as possible and, and using your support around you. Yes, and anticipate. So it's a collective reading and collective understanding of what's going on. So if I'm the passer, I know I will support the inside shoulder of my teammate. But if I'm the guy who were just passed the ball before, I know I will have to follow to make sure I'm supporting. So uh, I can can always anticipate what the ball carrier will do because I understand what he's doing. So that's why it's, it's important to work not with position or number in the backs, but more with roles. And answering, for example, the simple question is, where am I on the field? And what is my role in relation to the ball? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, am, I, am I ahead of a ball or am I late? Am I carrying the ball? Am I just behind the ball carriers? And there's no phases in it. And there's no, uh, I would say, scripted um, decision. Mm-hmm. It's all about reading the defense and adjusting your decision based on that defense organization. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, one, one of the things I've, uh, I've stolen from you, from, from seeing you coach a number of times, um, is just the concept of the ball player and where they are in position to the defense, whether they're in front of the defense, in the defense, behind the defense. Um, yeah. can, can, you, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that about, and what, what decisions kind of yeah. uh, go with that, those, those three, three roles? So say when we are in front of the defense, I would say that's where all coaches could build their with a structure as they want. Mm. You know, it could be a very complicated structure, a very simple, direct structure. Mm-hmm. The challenge become when you get in the defense where uh, maintaining continuity is hard. And mm. you got so many teams uh, or so many players who give up. Uh, early and go to the ground and just, you know, where we should stay on our feet, try to offload, try to find support converging. Mm-hmm. And then when we get behind the defense, then it's a more, let's say, four and one, or four and two to play again. So this in the defense, uh, if, I, if I was coaching every day right now, I would spend a lot of time on it because mm-hmm. it's the most difficult, the most challenging. But at the end, when you're able to take risk into that defense, and bring more support around the ball carrier, it's very hard for the defense to stop this. Mm, yeah, okay, great. All right, well, well changing uh, direction a little bit there, you, you, you were, like I said in the intro, you were head coach of the Canadian National Women's side for, for two World Cups. Uh, you took the program over in 2013 and then oversaw mm-hmm. the team to second place in 2014 and then yep. fourth, fourth place in the, the following World Cup. Um, what what were some of the big learnings for you as a coach during during that time, and, and what did you take away from that experience? 
Oh, it was a it was a good uh, it was a good time in the yeah. to be honest. Uh, uh, we were in in 2012. The program was not existing. Oh, wow. uh, there were just one one competition a year, which was the Nations Cup, and mm. uh, most of the girls were were playing with the sevens program, and uh, the other was were about just uh, you know on their own across the country. And as you know, the country is huge. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, we, I started in a, in, at the Nations Cup in 2013, uh, helped by John Tate at this, at this time, who was coaching the sevens. And uh, mm. uh, what I wanted to do first is to establish a clear, uh, a strong culture. Mm. Uh, because, as you know, what is a provincial or national team, it's not necessarily always the same player, but it needs to be the same culture and mm -hmm. a very strong culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, at this time, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by uh, Kieran Crowley, who was uh, the Canadian uh, men's head coach, mm. and uh, Mike Shu, who mm. was uh, the general, uh, the high performance manager, and both uh, were from New Zealand, where uh, this culture is very strong, and they they gave me a lot of advice about you know how to build that. I had my own ideas, and uh, mm -hmm. it just confirmed it. Mm -hmm. So I would say. On the on this uh, on these two World Cups uh, and and I think we've played around 40, 40 tests match. Wow. It was all about the team first. Uh, we were we were using the the analogy no divas no dramas. Uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and I gotta, I gotta yeah, use that one for yeah, my I, daughters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to be honest, we we really applied it. Yeah, that's uh, so we we were. We had a pretty successful, uh, I would say, cycle because the players were like 200% committed to that culture. Mm -hmm. uh, then, obviously, you got the skills, the talents, everything. But culture needs to be the base. If with no culture, you you can have the best players in the world. It's, you, you you won't be successful, yeah, or right. at least maybe once, but it's going to be a long time. Cool. So and that's that's my 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 big learnings from that is establishing a strong culture, whatever mm. is a young junior team or a national team playing World Cups. I think that's the most important. Yeah, and and from from your experience um, doing doing that role as head coach, what what's your assess your assessment of um, the the potential for women's rugby in Canada, and you know how do you feel it could be maximised? Yeah, it's it's it, we are, we have a massive potential, mm, uh, and it's it's not it's unfortunately not maximized mm -hmm. uh, be, because well, you know it's it's there's a there's many things, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's no there's no money right now for for women's rugby in Canada mm -hmm. except except the one who plays sevens and are centralized. For the others, you know, they have to to fight every day, yeah. uh, and the paradox is, if we could have, if they could have more help, uh, I'm pretty sure they would be, you know, on the podium every time. Yeah. Uh, we have we have been second uh, in 2014. Uh, in 2016, we were still ranked second in the world mm -hmm. uh, at the World Rugby, but. We had to make so many efforts. The girls had to make to make so many sacrifices to be there, where we were competing against other country where they were they had more help. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So uh, I don't know how it could be maximized, except uh, taking this program 
very seriously and putting in the front. Uh, other than that, world rugby could help mm-hmm. uh, way, way more because mm-hmm. right now I know they are thinking about some uh, different politics to help women's rugby around the world. Uh, but it needs our girls needs to be supported because they they are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I I, I think as well. Um, you're, you're seeing other countries like New Zealand, England, and Australia, um, France too. France fully contracting uh, their their players, and once that gap gets too wide, it's yeah. going to be uh, very very difficult to to close it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, after your role with uh, the Canadian senior women's side, you. You then uh, got a chance to be interim head coach for the senior men's position for for a period of a few months. Um, what what was that experience like, and and you know how did that differ from from your role with the women, and you know what what were some of the different takeaways or, or similar crossover takeaways that you took from that uh, experience? Yeah, so so Rugby Canada contacted me in 2016 uh, after the the review of the 2015 World Cup and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have decided with uh, it was it was over with Kieran Kieran Crowley, mm-hmm. who has been who has been one of my mentors in Canada to be honest, yeah. and they they con- they contacted me to yeah they contacted me to take the interim. Uh, I was completely uh, I was not ready for that you know because I was uh, I was coaching the women's and mm-hmm. uh, it happens in the middle of of a of a World Cup cycle so. Um, Obviously, I said yes because it's 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 a fantastic o- opportunity and mm-hmm. and uh, it's it was a it was a, an honor for me to do that. So yeah. uh, I, I I it was clear for me that I was coming back with my uh, women's team after that to prepare the two, 2017 World Cup. But right. uh, so um, experience for that. Uh, for that campaign with the men, we did the uh, America's Rugby Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, the former coach uh, sent me the list of players. I didn't pick the players mm-hmm. he did before. I had three weeks to figure it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> I I contacted uh, my my colleague and friend. Um, Graham Moffat, mm-hmm. who's coaching the Wolf Pack mm-hmm. uh, in Alberta, and uh, and also uh, Jamie Cudmore, who was uh, available because he was uh, post uh, post surgery uh, on his uh, on his neck, so he wa- he had a, a gap of three weeks that he could help. So right. uh, Graham Moffat, uh, Mike Shelley, uh, Jamie Cudmore. Uh, Chris Silverthorne from Ontario mm-hmm. and myself. Uh, my role was head coach, and my colleagues were uh, working on on others part of the game. Uh, so we 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 saw we saw it as a collective challenge, yeah. not necessarily as okay, I'm the head coach, you guys. Not now. We we took it as a challenge and said, okay, we are all together for seven weeks. Uh, we're gonna cross the country. Uh, the continent, because we're going to go to Argentina, Chile, uh, Brazil, etc. Mm. And uh, the expectation from our union is we're going to we have to win games. So basically, we got two weeks to prepare the team, or one week, sorry, one week before the first game, uh, and then we jump in it. So uh, it was it was a fantastic fantastic experience for a coach 
because you have to adjust to everything, adapt to everything, and in the same time generate some enthusiasm and mm. some belief in the troops. So uh, we beat Uruguay, Brazil, and Chile. We lost the States and Argentina. We finished the, the competition second, and uh, we moved two or three uh, position in the ranking. So <laughs> yeah, at, the right end, <laughs> at the end, it was a positive outcome. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, it was a, a one shot. Uh, I can't say that we we've prepared uh, the future, but uh, we we we've done what we have been asked to do, like mm. uh, uh, keeping the ship uh, on on the on the ocean and uh, <laughs> and uh, keeping the house clean, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I think, well, just thinking about you know the timeline that you had there, there's there's not a lot you can do in that time in, in terms of skill development, but there's there's a whole no, lot you can no, do around no. team culture and creating belief no. and creating a fun we, style uh, of play. And dur during that tournament, I think we've, we have capped uh, 18 players. Mm. So 18, 18 new players, yeah. It's a, it's a lot mm. on some key position, you know. Yeah. So obviously the RRC, RRC is, is, is made for that, you know. So you've got the other team are doing the same. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, in terms of a uh, coaching experience, and uh, it was about be able in a short time to adapt, but also to delegate, but also to trust and to work with a, a group of young coaches. Because I'm 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 not young, but I'm a young coach, you know. Mm. Uh, as Jamie, as a as a Graham or others, we were all, you know around 40, uh, 40 years old. So mm. um, I'm 46 now, but uh, you know, it's, Still it's, young, it's, it's a young, we are, we are, it's, it, we know, yeah, I know we are young coaches. <laughs> so uh, the danger would have been to try again, to try to do everything mm, exactly. where yeah. all, all of us had some uh, specificity and some strength. And what we've done in my role was to maximize the strength of the coaching staff to make sure that we were covering every aspect of the game and we were competitive mm. and it was all right. I think. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. We, it was a great job. We, and, uh, we've done, we, we've, we've done, we've, we've done it. And then next, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And like speaking of next, you, you, your current role now is a technical director for rugby Quebec here in uh, yes. Quebec, Canada. Um, can, yeah. you, can you tell listeners a little bit about your, your day to day role there and, and what, for those who don't know what the what the Quebec rugby landscape looks like, yeah. So I started that position in uh, in April, uh, and uh, I've decided first bef before before giving any direction mm -hmm. because that's what directors are doing. They're giving <laughs> direction. Uh, I I needed to know what was my uh, community or the community I was uh, working for. So. I've decided to to go to every clubs, uh, so senior men, senior women, juniors, uh, during the summer to run session, but also to talk with uh, with players and coaches and uh, and managers, you know, to to have a better understanding on uh, what they were facing in terms of uh, challenges. Uh, I've also done in September, October. Uh, working with college universities and uh, and some schools for the same reason, you know, having mm -hmm. a better understanding on where we are and what we need. Uh, so from the last six months now, I'm doing a bit of a review review and 
starting to plan for 2019 with a you know a better knowledge of the reality. Mm-hmm. And what and what what is that reality for you from from what you saw in those uh, six months? Well, the reality is it has, there's a there's a league there's a league in Quebec who, in in good health where mm-hmm. where you know the top the top uh, the top teams play very good rugby. I think uh, they have very good coaches around. You know that, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, no, that's true. It's uh, you know uh, uh, just for example the final uh, Quebec City against uh, you guys against the Irish. Was a great game of rugby. Yeah, it's totally just uh, you know, it's a yeah, you know, it's it's a modern game. It's not like okay, they are in Quebec, they can't play rugby. No, it's a, it's a great it's a great game. It's a great games of rugby. Yeah. Uh, so my role from that is to make sure that the club who are who are not uh, developed at this level, who who still need some support or need mm-hmm. more coaches or need more players, that the the that the the, the club I need to work with and uh, to help. So it's going to schools and try to to convince, uh, I would say, athletic directors or, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a phys ed teacher that rugby is cool and, you know, the the, the players or the, the, the boys or girls could, could play rugby and there's a club just beside, so you, you could sign up with a the club. They're going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's my... That's my job. The other part of my job is try to find money mm-hmm. uh, to support elite programs, <laughs> yeah, uh, to to find some sponsors. You know, like like all organization. You know, mm-hmm. you try you try to develop your organization. Uh, maybe try to bring some uh, professional rugby in Montreal and uh, or international game in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And we're working on it very hard. You know, uh, yeah. so uh, we want to put ourselves on the map. That's uh, great. No, it's it's for for me. It's been uh, and there's energy uh, in the last six months uh, since you coming on. So, and I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing you, but it's uh, being someone who's on the ground, experiencing the day to day coaching and and the level of competition and what some of the constraints and challenges are. Uh, there's definitely yeah. a, a a change in energy for for the for the good. Um, so uh, there's there's a certain level of excitement uh, on the ground, which is great. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Uh, you know, and uh, it's it, it's it's about once once again when I was talking about coaching the the men's uh, with a, a small group of coaches, we had to adapt, we have to adjust. We have, it's the same here. You know, mm-hmm. we are we are not we are not a lot, but uh, as you said, it's a question of energy, but also uh, you know capacity to capacity to adapt, to adjust, and generate enthusiasm. Awesome. Well, you, you mentioned one of, one of the things you've been doing is uh, going around the clubs and universities and colleges and uh, running some sessions yeah. for you. We, we had you at the Montreal Irish, which was great, and uh, the, the players were raving about it after the session. So for, for someone, if someone was to come along and watch one of those sessions, what, what are they going to see and what, what are some of the things that, uh, that, that are going to jump out at them? Yeah, so it depends depends what the coach wants to, to cover, but basically mm-hmm. it would be uh, just working on you know, the core skills into games. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about uh, support continuity, we're going to talk about passing or floating, mm-hmm. playing against each other, then moving to a skills uh, skill zone and then coming back to the game to just put the skills under pressure. If we talk about tackling, we would do some very technical part and then moving to the game again. So uh, it's, it's yeah, they, that's what they would see. They would see players playing on the rugby field with a, some uh, some feedback orientated on what we try to achieve, yeah. if, uh, whatever is defense or attack. 
and um, you, you you used a variety of different balls and uh, rules, uh, those yeah. kind of things for, yeah. for our session. What can you? What's the what's the philosophy behind that? I think modified game and modified games can help a lot uh, to achieve goals. So once again, as as a coach, the same for the colleagues. It's it's about what you try to achieve at the end of this uh, at the end of the the session. Uh, if the if the topic is pass catch, it's going to be about pass catch. So you can't stop the game when someone misses a tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not the game. What you want to to increase is how they catch, how they pass, and the pressure. So if you modify the game, uh, creating some clear overlaps, they're gonna, it's going to generate more passing, for example. But also, if you change the size of the ball, if you do it with a tennis ball now, it becomes the same decision, but it's harder because you have to catch this this, uh, this uh, tennis ball. So how do we catch? Mm. Okay, so we come back to the, the technical principle, you know, targets, uh, fingers forward, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So you can you can do a lot of technique and uh, giving them some keywords without being boring yeah. and, uh, and slow. Yeah. It can be very technical, but three minutes after that is going to be completely chaotic and they will have to find out with this technique to respond in the chaos and back to the technique and back to the chaos. Mm. I think this is, it's, a, it's a good way to learn. And as a coaches, we need also to accept sometimes to train ugly, oh, what yeah. means... Yeah. If someone show up and say, wow, what the fuck, the coach is, <laughs> is saying nothing and they drop all the balls. Yeah, okay, but what I want to achieve is to have the, the best passing team in two months. Mm. So right now, yeah, it looks very ugly, but come yeah. back in two months and you'll mm. see a, a very good team on the field, for yeah. example. you know. Yeah, sometimes you got to get a bit worse to get a lot better. Yeah, because it's not about us, it's about the players. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, well, that, that's great. Great way to great way to finish the the show. Um, we we always end mm-hmm. the the podcast with the same final four questions. Uh, when, cool. when you were a kid growing up in France, who was who was one of your favorite <laughs> players to watch? Okay, so my favorite player was Serge Blanco. Oh, yeah. He was the fullback of the that. French team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah. but uh, paradox is John Kirwan was oh, also right. okay. one, yeah. and 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 they and they David Campese too. Oh yeah, you're talking my language yeah. now. Yeah, I yeah. know, but they were they were the wingers I was, you know, I wanted to be. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they were way better than me. Uh, <laughs> way better yeah. than most. Yeah, cool. And what about now? <laughs> Who are some of the favorite players you like watching now? Well, it's it's uh, it's Bud and Barrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not really original, but this, <laughs> you know, I, I was I was lucky enough to to see him playing in in New Zealand, and uh, and also obviously every time the All Blacks are playing, is mm-hmm. this well, this guy is just. Uh, you know, it's talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, there's tons of work behind that. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you watch a, when I watch a rugby game, I like the movement. I like uh, you know just uh, the speed, etc. And this mm-hmm. guy is has almost everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, he's he's fantastic, and he's uh, probably good chance of winning um, you know World Rugby Player of the Year for a third year in a row, which uh, which. Yeah says massive amounts to to his ability and uh, what a, what a you know great great uh, player and uh, promoter of the sport he is. Yeah, and I say that because attacking and uh, is more uh, my uh, you mm-hmm. know because what I what I like. But at the end, uh, it's a collective sport, so mm-hmm. we know that you know mm-hmm. this guy I like seeing playing. But he was if he was playing uh, 
behind a pack was going backward and, and being smashed, maybe he would have to to slow down and develop other skills. But uh, right now he's playing, he's like driving a Ferrari, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, what, what about coaches? Who's a who's a high-profile coach that you, you admire the work they do? As, as I mentioned before, uh, Wayne Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw him coaching when he was at the Waikato Chiefs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's just what you want to be as a coach, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, he got he got everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like uh, the the Irish uh, the Irish coach who's also a New Zealander. Mm -hmm. I think Joe Schmidt. Yeah, uh, Joe Schmidt. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's kind of a. I profile coaches I, I admire, you know, I would like to, I mean, I'm inspired by what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And last question, uh, who's, who's someone in your grassroots community that, that you feel is doing good work and, and deserves some recognition? So to be honest, I would not mention someone in particular mm -hmm. because I, I've, I've been around all summer about all these minis across the province, mm. uh, all these programs to try to develop, all these <laughs> Uh, we say parents, uh, uh, former players who try to generate so much mm. uh, enthusiasm around these minis programs and grassroots that I would just mention all these guys, you know, mm. all these girls, because uh, what they, what they are doing is is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we got someone here at the office, Lisa and Lesar, who who has done massive massive work to implement rugby in the day camps and uh, last uh, last summer for example uh, we were able to put to touch like 7,000 uh, kids wow, that's great. Uh, to play flag rugby uh, across the province in day camps mm -hmm. so that's that's massive and uh, we know we're going to do it again next next summer so who knows yeah yeah that's awesome I couldn't agree with you more like both my my girls, my my eight year old, my five year old, uh, are in yeah. these programs, and just seeing the, the the time investment from the the parents and the coaches and the, yeah, yeah. the organizers and the clubs uh, as you go around the different jamborees, and uh, it's 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 really admirable. Um, oh yeah, really, they're doing really. they're doing great work. Yeah, and uh, we need to encourage it uh, as a union, and obviously uh, support and help uh, all initiatives. Agree. All right, Francois. Well, it's it's been great chatting with you. Even though we're probably we're probably only you know five kilometers away from each other right now, but uh, it's really really good yeah. to catch up with you on the on the podcast. Yeah, finally, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been you've been on my list yeah. for quite some time now. So a lot a lot that coaches got out of it. So thanks thanks massively for for coming on the show. No, no, thanks thanks to you, Andy. Cool, awesome. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.